Thank you very much, John. Good morning, everybody. Church meltdown today, isn't it? Um, the good news is I'm going to be relatively short this morning. Um, so just be an hour this morning. Um, so as John has said um, this morning, our theme is growing together. And the word together perhaps challenges the idea that our Christian faith is a private and personal thing with little bearing on anybody else. Yes, it's important uh, that we come to the cross, and one of the songs we sang earlier that was about running to the cross, wasn't it? That we come to the cross one at a time. That's important, that we reach a point in our lives that we believe and we express our belief, that we confess our sin, that we are baptized in water and baptized by the Holy Spirit, and that then we walk with God and enjoy his favors and his blessings, because each of us are called to relate to God on our own individual terms, and yet, as this Life Application Study Bible states, believers are in the world together. And so there is no such thing as private or individualistic Christianity. We're in this together. We've been exploring over the uh, weeks a number of the different uh, spiritual gifts. And prophecy is one that we've uh, looked at. And we had Kath Livesey from the Sheffield Church uh, come over and, and do a special day with us, as well as speaking with us on a Sunday morning. And a lot of us gained quite a lot through, through that meeting. And I'm sure even before that meeting, many of us were perhaps stepping out in prophecy or had received uh, prophetic words. It's a great, it's great, it's a great honor to hear God speaking into our lives. It's great to, to be able to pray over people and with words of prophecy, but it's also great to be able to receive words of prophecy. One of the most uh, challenging words that I ever received was as a young Christian, um, Growing up in, uh, in Sheffield, I say growing up, I was a young man then, and I wanted to, to see God doing miraculous things. But I didn't really have a job at the time. I didn't really have any direction in my life. But I wanted to see God doing miracles, signs, and wonders. And through this person, God said to me, unless you are prepared to walk the way of men, you will not see these things. It was a prophetic word directly for me. Unless you're prepared to walk the way of men, you will not see these things. That may seem a little hard, a little direct, but I tell you it witnessed straight in my spirit. What did it mean? Well, unless I was prepared to get alongside my fellow man, and be with them through thick and thin, then I wasn't going to be as effective. Okay? Since then, I've had a career in teaching, and I've worked with the disaffected youth of Great Britain for over a quarter of a century. So I think I've walked the way of men a little bit since then. I hope I have. 
we should never stop working and enjoying our own relationship with God. But we need to get involved in the lives of others. We need to grow together. Um, many of our young people, and perhaps some of our older members of the congregation, might be familiar with the play An Inspector Calls. It's a GCSE literature text. And in the inspector's final speech, he says this. And there's John down here. But just remember this. One Eva Smith has gone. This is a, a girl who dies of uh, suicide. But there are millions and millions and millions of Eva Smiths and John Smiths still left with us, with their lives, their hopes and fears, their suffering and chance of happiness, all intertwined with our lives and what we think and say and do. We don't live alone. We are members of one body. We are responsible for each other. A very hard-hitting speech, and that connects with what John was doing earlier, wasn't it, when we were praying for others in, across the world and their situation. We reach out to others. We don't live alone. No man is an island. And in our reading that uh, Deb brought us, Paul uses the analogy of the body. This body is used to emphasize the importance of each of you, each church member. And that body is a unit. It's not a vague collection of separate parts, like the German football team. <laughs> but, uh, sorry if we have any Germans present. But a group made up of many parts and yet unified by the Holy Spirit. And it's unity, not uniformity. Whatever our race or culture, Jews or Greeks, as the Bible says, whatever position in society that we have, whatever our social standing, whether we're slave or free, we are brought together in unity because we have two things in common, faith in Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit. One of my old commentaries uh, says, we are quickened and animated by the Holy Spirit. I love the old language of some of these old commentaries. We are quickened and animated by the Holy Spirit. We're all given one spirit to drink. It's an interesting reference again, isn't it, to, to communion. We drink in the spirit, but we also are filled with the spirit. When Paul addresses the Corinthian church, he's trying to rebalance their theology and understanding of the importance of spiritual gifts within the overall mission of the church. Every person's gifts are important, essential even to the health and growth of the body. The illustration of the body is possibly as comical as Paul 
get. And I didn't realize Paul had a sense of humor until I was preparing this. Um, again, one of my older commentaries, perhaps I ought to buy a new one, I don't know. I always tend to use these old commentaries. One of my older commentaries puts it like this. Paul's aim is to emphasize the thought of essential unity, and he does this by a threefold reductio ad absurdum, which is Latin for reduction uh, to absurdity. Paul is making a joke. Firstly, Paul uses humor to show how ridiculous it would be for a part of the body to rebel against another part and claim independence. This is the reference that I was telling Mark Guider about a minute. When I play on a Monday night table tennis, I know I haven't been for a few weeks, Mark, sorry about that. When I play table tennis with Mark Guider, I know what it's like for one part of my body to rebel against another. I know the shot that I want to play. I know I should be able to put that ball away so that he doesn't get it back. But I can't always coordinate the various parts. Mark can do that better than me. Secondly, Paul points out how ridiculous it would be if the body consisted only of an eye or an ear. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? In hospitals, we have ear, nose, and throat specialists. Because there's a recognition that there's an interrelatedness between those parts of the body. They are interdependent. And thirdly, Paul points out how daft it would be if we were all the same part. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? Can you imagine, just for a second, can you imagine a church body consisting only of feet? There'd be a lot of movement, a lot of running around, but not much else. What about a church body consisting only of eyes? Yeah, it's a bit gruesome, that one, isn't it? They would certainly have vision, but not a lot else. I'm indulging myself now. What about a church body consisting only of noses? Well, you wouldn't want it to catch a cold. They get cornier, I tell you. If we were only one part of the body, one of the commentaries I've read says, what a monster we would create. We're one body, but many parts. And this isn't something random. It's not something occurring by chance. It's not God's plan B. It's not second best. 
It is part of God's sovereign plan and purpose for his church. We are meant to be different. We are meant to be diverse. God deliberately uses diversity to create unity. Verse 18 really stands out for me in the reading. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. It's part of his divine purpose. And he loves our differences. He celebrates our differences. And God is building across the globe, not just here in in, in Bridge North in the Baptist Church, but globally he's building a unified church of diverse people and we all have a unique role to play. Variety contributes to the beauty of the body. The Corinthian church had made the mistake of raising the status of certain gifts of the Spirit some of the more attractive uh, gifts like speaking in tongues, they'd raised the status of those gifts at the expense of other gifts. And they'd taken their eye off the main purpose of the gifts. What are they there for? To build up the church, to encourage and build up the faith of believers. And this is why Paul stresses the importance of those parts of the body which appear or seem to be weaker or less honorable or unpresentable. We all might have an idea about what those unpresentable parts might be. We said earlier on, we love you, we need you, we're glad you're part of the body. We love you. We need you. We're glad you're part of the body. And that's from the book of Bassett. But it's sound theology, isn't it? These parts that are less favorable or seem to be less favorable are indispensable. They're just as important. The scripture tells us, doesn't it, that the presentable parts of the body need no special treatment. They're already high profile enough. Paul is effectively in this passage guarding against spiritual pride, which comes when you think that your particular gift is better than somebody else's. I remember uh, an occasion when I was uh, in a church in, in Sheffield I was involved in, and we decided one Sunday to bring all four congregations. There were four services on a Sunday. We had two in the morning, two in the evening. So it was a big, big church. It was an Anglican, Baptist, uh, local ecumenical project. And four congregations together, and we booked a venue in Sheffield called the Octagon Centre, and we were expecting about a thousand people. And I was down to lead uh, some of the music worship part of the service. Sheila was staying with me that weekend, I remember. And before the service, I asked the the minister, and I said, where on the stage uh, am I going to stand? Where on the stage am I going to stand? And he said, 
You might not be on the stage, but to the side. Uh, well, how is anybody going to uh, see me? Well, why do you want to be seen? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm leading. And, we, you know, we had a practice of leading worship, and, and worship leaders were fairly prominent, and they, they could be seen. Well, we might not organize it like that. And this conversation developed, and this minister spoke to me, and he said, Tim, I think you want to shine. And I tell you, my spiritual pride was hurt. And I went away from that meeting feeling quite humbled. It's not about me, it's about the body. And using your gifts to help others grow in theirs. When the day of this service came, I arrived and um, I felt I'd be in a better place to lead worship because I'd been humbled. And I expected when I arrived at the Octagon Centre that the worship group would be to the right, off stage, behind some pillars. And I found myself right on the stage, right in the front. The front of the stage, right in the middle. As if God was just saying to me, I just wanted to keep you humble, Tim. Just wanted to keep you humble. Spiritual pride. It got in the way of the Corinthians in, in their church. It got in their way. Now, I'm sure it's not something that affects you or has ever affected you. To use a classic Bridge North Baptist Church line, you might be able to tell me what it is. It's only me. So, we're a body for a reason, so that we can grow together in unity, quickened and animated by the Holy Spirit, with no divisions, but equal concern for each other. And when one of us suffers, we suffer alongside as we were praying for the children caught up in the, in the cave in Thailand, for people in Japan caught up in losing homes and businesses through torrential rain. When one part suffers, we suffer alongside, but when one of us rejoices, we rejoice as well. And this is proof of our unity when we do this. So, a church operating like that, where we rejoice when others rejoice, when we suffer when others suffer, with Christ at the head, unified, working together in unity, that might just be a church that is a force to be reckoned with. Let us pray. Father, help us to recognize that whatever gift we have, whether it's a high-profile gift or a behind-the-scenes gift, it is indispensable to your body. Help us to recognize the uniqueness of each role that we have, Lord, 
and just to offer that back to you in service, to thank you for the gifts that you give us and to just hand them back to you and say, Lord, thank you and help us to be faithful in exercising those gifts so that not only us, we ourselves can be built up, but more importantly, the body here can be built up for your praise and for your glory. Help us, Lord, to be quickened and animated by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.